All right, welcome back, people. Today we're just going to go through part two of what we're, I guess, our first home buyers guide or top tips for for first home buyers. So last week yeah. we would have broken down things like your identification and having all the relevant uh, ID checks, you know, driver's license, passport, birth certificate, that sort of thing. We talked about the importance of of sort of having listed your assets and liabilities in in a home loan application and why an income. Uh, that you can prove to a bank is super important for a home loan application too, because obviously you need to be able to prove to a bank that you're capable of making home loan repayments for the for the home loan you're trying to acquire. So part two is today. We thought we'd explain further some of the things you need to have done for your home loan application. So we thought we'd start with living expenses, right, David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Banks will want you, banks or a broker will want you to provide an estimate of your living expenses. If you're currently, say, staying at home and not paying for much, they're more interested in trying to ascertain what you would be likely to spend if you buy a property or if you, you know, are renting and you decide to be a rent vester, um, you're going to you're still going to be paying rent on the property you live in, but your living expenses need to include the cost of a property. And you may not have all the costs because um, some of some of the um some of the costs like um like repairs and maintenance may be lower because you're not living in it and you don't do as much to it as if you were there and that sort of thing. But we'll just sort of run through what are the, the main things. So what we find is banks, there's a thing called the household expenditure measure, which is a bank. And it's different for every bank. Yeah, they'll say um, a couple on X income, combined income should spend Y. And if you're way below or way above that, the bank will want to know why. So they've got a bit of a handle on yeah, what they think it costs to live. So if you're buying a property to live in, some of the things you've got to include in that um, calculation are things like your, your electricity, gas and water, uh, repairs and maintenance, um, you know, rates, or if you're in an apartment or a unit, strata fees and body corporate insurance. Um, so, yeah, building insurance. If you're a um, homeowner, if you're a, if you're renting the property out, normally building insurance and um, you know maybe landlord's insurance in case you know there's damage by the tenant, etc. And there'll be you need to you know, factor in other things like you know cost of the agent and um, you know, just improvements and, and those sorts of things. So, you know, repairing fences, um, you know, you might be doing some landscaping. You might include in the rent your charging or in the place you're living in, you might get the lawns done because um, you, know, you couldn't be bothered doing it or you don't have a lawnmower. So they're the sorts of things. So similarly for investment property, you know, the, the banks will break down about five or six different categories. The next main category is telephone and internet. Now this includes streaming, um, phone plans and all that sort of stuff. So if you've got four or five streaming services that are you know, 100, 120 bucks a month, um, you might just want to review them to see whether you're still using them, um, because you know you can you, you might be able to you know trim fifty or sixty bucks a month off your off your living expenses. With groceries, the, it's not just what you spend at the shop each week or fortnight when you go to Wally's, Coles, Audi, or Foodworks wherever you go. Um, it also includes yeah you know, buying alcohol, cigarettes if you if you're a smoker. Um, one thing today, I think uh, alcohol went up in price again today due to the indexing of um. So apparently it said that's going up by ninety cents a pint, 
So um, next time you go to the pub, I think that's one of the reasons why pubs are so keen on your tapping. So you have no idea what it costs for beer. Um, it also includes like things like coffees, takeaways, lunches, and all that sort of stuff. So you know if you're if you're buying lunch every day, if you're getting a cup of coffees every day um, and you're tapping, you know, they'll come up in your living expenses and you'll need to categorise them. The next major category is recreation and entertainment. So things like, you know, going out to the movies, eating out, you know, concerts, shows, all that sort of stuff. Uh, gambling's a big one. If, you, if you're gambling a bit, you might just want to knock it on the head for a little while while you're applying for a loan. In the long run, it does you if you're betting a lot, unless you're winning, um, yeah, it can it can sort of you know career wealth creation quite a bit. And it comes up on most bank statement programs like the ones we use, um, as a as a red flag. So you know, if you're punting a bit, um, you know, maybe you know, long term try and trim it down. Um, unless of course you're winning, happy days. Um, it includes your know, recreation entertainment, it includes things like you know, presents you buy for people. It includes memberships and subscriptions, including union. If you if you can't get me, I'm part of the union. Um, if you've got kids, includes their sport and recreation activities, piano, dancing. If you've got a pet, you need to include pet costs. Um, you might have pet insurance. You might give your pet, you might get your pet groomed every month, um, pet food, all that sort of stuff. And it also includes a, an allowance for holidays, both domestic and um, overseas. So if you're if you're thinking, okay, we're going to go overseas and it's going to be $3,600, well, there'd be an allocation of 300 bucks a month for holidays in your living expenses. The next slot is clothing and personal care. So things like clothing and footwear, getting a haircut, hairdresser if you're, if you're a lady or, or a guy who likes that sort of thing personal care products and uh, and the like so um you know perfumes and all that sort of stuff so you need to sort of be thinking about you know how much money am i spending the next category main category is transport and that, this includes things like uber public transport if you catch the train or bus to work um yeah insurance fuel servicing rego tires we get a lot of people that just say yeah we spend 100 or 100 a month you know and I go, well, what does that include? I'll say, well, we put in 50 bucks worth of fuel a fortnight. So we then go, well, is your car registered? Do you get a service? Does it ever need new tyres? Those sorts of things. Yeah, so um, with that stuff, like obviously your transport costs, the estimate of your transport costs needs to also take account into account. A year's rego is 850 bucks. Monthly insurance costs with Amy or whoever you're with, like all of that is yep. included. That's something you have to consider, right? That that's all part yeah. of transport. It's not just yeah. fuel; it's maintenance of your car, rego of your car, all of the all the bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah. and also, yeah, you might have some people have a recreational vehicle. They might have a jet ski. They might have a four wheel drive. Got to put those costs in as well. You can't just pretend you don't have it. Education. Now, if you've got kids, that's um, private school and public school and preschool fees, excursions, uniforms, all that sort of stuff. If you've got younger kids, it include you know, the living costs will include childcare, less the, the sort of rebates you get if you're if you're eligible for them. Uh, then there's medical and health costs, you know, doctor, dentist, um, optometrist, chemist, physio, massage. Um, your health insurance, you know, you might have top health insurance cover. 
gym memberships are normally covered here because it's a bit of a healthy thing. And then um, yeah, income protection, life insurance, trauma insurance, those sorts of things. And then there's just a general category for other sorts of things that yeah, you might have that don't sort of neatly fit in a category. So you can see the bank's looking at about 10 to 12 different categories. And under those, there's a, yeah, sometimes six to eight subcategories. So um, probably the easiest way is look at how much savings you've got. Um, if you're if you're a couple and you're both netting, say, three grand a month, that's six grand, and your rent might be two grand. That means you've got four grand left. Now, if you're not saving, you're probably spending four grand. If you're if you're if you're saving a grand, you're probably you're probably spending three grand. So mm. it's it's pretty easy for the bank to work out. And we we have lots of discussions with our first home buyers, who um, yeah have a bit of a false reality of how much they spend. Um, and so yeah, so we just need to sort that out. So if your spending's a bit out of control. Um, yeah, you can look online for budget templates. There's one on our website, Money Saver Home Loans, that you can use as, you know, do a bit of budgeting. The starting point is always get your last couple of months of statements out and have a look at where you're spending your money. And, um, you know, life, life's about choices and about um, committing to things. So if you, if you want to um, save money or you want to get in the property market or even buy shares or whatever, crypto, whatever, whatever your thing is, you need money to do that. And, you know, the best starting point is to look at where you're spending your current uh, income and see where you can spend it better. Yeah. And like you mentioned it earlier, and we've covered this in previous podcasts, um, we've we've probably covered this also on our Instagram page. Uh, if you look up Money Saver Home Loans on Instagram or Damo Wants Wealth, all one word, uh, on Instagram, there's plenty of tips on both those pages for how to cut back on your spending, but I'll do it really briefly here. Reviewing what you spend your money on and deciding what things you can reduce. And let's say you've done a review of all your expenses, Dave, and you've figured mm-hmm. out, I can't cut back on, I've cut back on everything I can cut back on. I still need to save some money each month. Review yeah. all the things you have to spend money on. So that's things like your living situation. If you're renting, maybe you're in a rental by yourself. That's a fairly uh, high expense. You could look into maybe doing a share housing setup. If you can move back in with your family to save money on rent for a little bit, that's an option. But it also goes towards like home insurance or car insurance, uh, health insurance or gym memberships. If there's things that, you know, you want to be spending money on looking after your health, that makes sense. Having health insurance makes sense. But shop around and see if you can find a better deal or see if the your current provider can give you a discount for a little bit by paying annually or something like that, just to see what ways you can cut back if you can. Yeah. yeah uh, the- no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah look, look out for those things. Like, yeah, there's plenty of websites around that will help you uh, spot bargains like you know Dame, you talked last year about petrol spy yeah buy petrol early in the week and you know look in your area you know don't drive 50 miles to say five cents a litre but the other day I was um we did a bit of work with a real estate agent and we were helping um clear some stuff from a property that's coming up for sale and I was driving through one of the suburbs and noticed that there was about five or six petrol stations and they were all Petrol was around 217, 220 litre, and I saw one that was $1.78. So I thought, you win a winner chicken dinner. So in we went and we, and we got some. So, um, yeah, just 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 look out. You know, it's about 
um, taking responsibility and, um, you know, looking out for those opportunities. Yeah. Um, next one you were going to cover, you've written, how much do you need in it with a big yeah, question so, mark? Yeah. So um, the thing, one of the things I talk to first home buyers about a lot is where do you want to be? Like, what's your objective? Um, people often say, look, we've, um, how much can we borrow? And I say, look, that's, 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 we'll get to that. But where do you want to live? And why do you want to live there? And how much do you need to get there? And then we can work our way to say, okay, can we achieve that? Um, don't be constrained by your, don't put a budget constraint about yourself until you've got a fair idea of if you're going to, if you're going to buy a property to live in, chances are you could be in it for 10 to 15 years. You may only be in it for a couple of years, but if you're in it for a long time, you want to put sort of put some thought into it. So we say to people, you know, we'll, we'll often get people approved for the maximum we can, but then try and get them to spend less because it's better to um, over budget and then come in under budget than the other way around, um, unless, you're, unless you're in government, of course, and then it doesn't really matter if you're over budget because the taxpayer just picks up the bill. But, yeah, have a think about, yeah, where do you, where do you want to live? Why do you want to live there? And, yeah, is that... Um, and then we can work out whether it's achievable. But rather than just sort of saying, well, we'll leave here because that's all we can afford, it may not be all you can afford. There might be a different way we can look at it. No, that's fair. Exemptions and incentives. This can obviously, um, this can cover, I guess, things to do with government exemptions or incentives, but also, I guess, banking incentives if it comes mm -hmm. to things like cashbacks or bonuses for signing up. So do you want to just explain mm -hmm. that one a little more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for first home buyers, most of the state governments um, around the around the country have some sort of stamp duty exemption for first home buyers, and it's it's different in every state. So just you know, check that out. If you go into a you know a stamp duty calculator and you know type in your rough budget, that it'll come up and tell you how much how much the stamp duty is going to be, and that that's for buying your first place to live in. If you buy a property. Um, that's under the stamp duty exemption and you're going to rent it out quite often you won't well generally you won't get a stamp duty exemption because it's not it's it's not for not for investors there's also um, so incentives as, as you mentioned Damien, there's a couple of banks that have incentives for first home buyers um, there's the government first home loan deposit scheme and the regional scheme um, and the first home scheme, so you can check those out. Where you can where you can buy a property on anywhere between two and five percent deposit. Yeah, some banks will let you borrow up to eighty five percent with no mortgage insurance, um, which is um, which is a good thing. And yeah, there, there, there's plenty of things around. That's why we always recommend you know, go to your bank if you want, um, but probably get a second opinion from a broker because your um, your bank may not have the best incentives or exemptions available to you. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, um, I guess something that uh, you might do with home loan clients, you know, throughout maybe the meetings you'll have with them initially before you're, you're sort of taking them through getting all of their details from them and figuring out their borrowing capacity or whatever you probably yeah. try to give them a bit of an idea of what to expect with the application process they're about to, you know, delve into yeah. to be understanding of, I guess, some of the terminology around it, but also like what timeframes to be familiar with. Because some people think based on how it's portrayed in advertising sometimes, like you might hear, sometimes we hear about banks saying, 
we can approve you in 20 minutes, you know? So some yeah. people might have a different view of how long this application process actually takes. So do you want to just sort of explain to people what, what you might explain to someone who's a home loan client of ours? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with it, we sort of liken the application process to like preparing to run a marathon. So, you know, if someone rang you today and said, I'm doing a marathon on Saturday, do you want to go in? Um, yeah, you might, but you're probably inclined not to. So, to, if you follow the steps in the first podcast, um, first of this one and what we've talked about, you know, about your credit report, getting your ID, making sure your ID matches where you live. Um, you know, having your pay slips, having um, a good credit report and all that sort of stuff. So what we do is we get all your info. Um, we'll go through it, make sure there's no red flags, look at your living expenses to see whether they're reflective of reality. And if they're not, we'll talk about trying to work on that over the next month or two. If everything's good, we'll look at the different loans available from different providers. And we've got access to a lot of lenders. Um, your bank you go to has access to their products. We've got access to theirs plus everyone else's. So we'll work out roughly which loan we think is best for you, recommend that, um, talk to you about the process and then lodge the application and then work with the people in the bank. Um, they often look at things and, you know, they'll have questions or they want something clarified or want they might want some more information. So we'll work with them and um, up until the, the, the point of uh, approval. So approvals take anywhere between one to, say, five to seven business days. It just depends um, the from the time you lodge your we lodge the application to approval, it just depends on how much uh, work the bank has. Depends on their staffing. If they've got COVID ripping through the joint um, and they're down on numbers, or um, we've done it around um, long weekend holidays or Easter or school holidays, they might be have less staff on. If we do it um, before Christmas, they might just be focusing on purchases. So yeah, it just. You know, our, our role is to sort of be the the one that guides um, guides your application through with the with the bank, and then once you're approved, we can then sort of talk to you about pre-approval and what it means and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, beautiful. Okay, was there any anything else we could cover for this one, Dave? Well, I was just going to say with that with that pre-approval. So, what it means is that the bank likes you. So they like you or you and your partner. So the people, the, the person or the people that have applied, the bank's saying, we like you. We like you. Your ID's fine. Your credit report's fine. Your income's fine. You don't have too many debts. You can service the loan, that sort of thing. Now, if you're approved on the 5th of February um, 2024, your approval will normally last three months, so around about the 5th of May. Now, um, if you haven't found a property by the 5th of May, um, a week or two prior, we'll make contact and say, you know, hi, um, it's coming up for renewal, do you want to get reapproved? And generally, we just need um, a, little, a few little pieces of info and we can get, get that reapproved. Um, if come the 5th of August, you haven't found a property, we probably are going to have to reapply for a loan. So, um, the yeah, so at last three months now, if you're approved as a single person and you're a truck driver and you earn, um, you know, lots of overtime and bonuses and that sort of stuff, and you're approved on the 5th of February 
and then on the 5th of March, you decide you're going you're gonna to retrain as a school teacher and go part-time, your um, pre-approval will almost likely be invalid. So the main issue is between approval and the loan being approved for the purchase of your property, don't change anything. So don't take any on any more debt. Um, don't change. You can change jobs but stay in the same industry and occupation normally, but talk to your broker first. Don't, don't, just don't change anything because your approval is based on the information you've given to the bank. And if that information has changed, they might change their mind because it's, they're the ones lending the money. Um, the only other thing I'd um, mention is pre-approval means they like you. The second part of getting approved once you find a property is that the bank likes the property you're buying. So the bank will want to do a valuation and to make sure that it's fair value because they're the ones taking on the risk. If you can't, if you've paid hundred grand too much for a house, that's that's your issue because what the bank's thinking is if you've done that and you have um, and you can't pay your loan and default, the bank is left holding the the debt. Mm. So just, just sort of keep that in mind. It is a bit of, a bit of a process. So um, if you go to auction, you are taking all the risk. So if you're going to go to auction, talk to your bank or broker about the risks and especially talk to your conveyancer because they can review the contract um, of the place you're looking to buy at auction because if the hammer goes down and you're the winner, um, yeah, everyone's shaking your hand, but if you've paid too much, um, it could come back and bite you. So mm. just sort of keep that in mind. Yeah, for sure. And I guess with that said, um, next week, uh, sorry, a week after this this episode comes out, there'll be an interview with a lady from Bail Boshev who works in conveyancing and property law, who's going to explain sort of more of the ins and outs of the conveyancer role uh, and why it's an important thing to have on your team if you're going to buy a house um, just to sort of help cover your ass, to be honest. So that'll come out shortly uh, in the next week. So um, hopefully this episode has been informative for you, for you. And if you're looking to try and buy a house and you need help with finance, go see a mortgage broker. Where you know If you want to use our services, go to moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. But by all means, just using a broker will put yourself in a better position than having not, you know, not using one. So that's um, that's about it. Hope you have a good week. Hope this was informative and we'll talk to you next time.